Jesus, the ministry of the gospel is a gift. Not only those who receive it, but those who get to share it as well. Lord, I'm so, thank you, so thankful for the team that got back uh, proclaiming the gospel in Durango, Mexico. Lord, thank you for that team that be, got to be able to share the gospel with those in need in Mexico and our church plants in Mexico. Lord, we praise you for the lives that were transformed. Lord, in our own community, help us to understand that not all that glitters is gold. Behind the facade of materialism, we are in lives in need of grace and mercy and transformation. Lord, we acknowledge your power. Without it, we're powerless to transform. You're the only true source of satisfaction in this life. So Lord, help us to marvel at you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing with our Marvel at Jesus series. And, and marvel is, is a good word, isn't it? We don't use that word a whole lot. But the word marvel means to be filled with wonder or astonishment. And that's what this whole series is about. Using popular movies to help us have wonder and astonishment towards Jesus. I mean, imagine if we spent lots of time in our life marveling at Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why we gather together in worship, right? Because we help each other marvel at worship. I mean, when I see Sarah Baldwin in the back worshiping the Lord, it, it helps me marvel at Jesus. When I see our worship team so into worshiping Jesus, I, I'm, I can't help but marvel more at Jesus. When I get here in the morning and the cafe team is already going because they want to do, good, do a good job of welcoming people, it helps me marvel at Jesus. When I see people dressed up in all their different costumes for the sake of the gospel, it helps me marvel at Jesus. And this, that's what this series is about. You see so many people on John Master Marino's team get everything ready to welcome you, to have a, a great experience. It helps me marvel at Jesus. And that's why we shouldn't miss gathering together. We shouldn't miss gathering together in worship, that it shouldn't be on the back burner for us because when we gather together, we help one another marvel at Jesus. The series has been really cool to be able to use movies that are popular in their culture to connect with people where they're at. And many of you are involved in the church and you don't need extra connection points, but many people, when you're talking to them, at your workplace, I know school's not in, but you're playing in the playground, and when school gets back in, you're trying to make connections with the gospel. These stories are a ways for us to connect people with the gospel. And today we're going to learn about Saul's uh, conversion to Christianity to Paul, and we see in Paul's ministry, that's what he did. When he went to Athens, he learned about the poets that were a part of their culture. He learned about the leaders. He learned about the temples that they had. And then when he preached to the people in Athens, what he did was he quoted some of their poets. He talked about their culture because he wanted to connect with them in a way that made sense. And that's why we're doing this series. That's why we're using these popular movies to be able to connect with the culture for the, for the sake of the gospel. We started off with Spider-Man in week one and we learned the power up that we have the power of the gospel, and we can tap into that power as we go through life. And you'll see in all, in all of these movies that there, there's a villain, and that there's a world in chaos and pain, and then a superhero comes to save. As Christians, we're very familiar with that story, right? And so we use these movies. So the first week was powering up. And then the second week, last week, we looked at Black Panther and the, the, the power to defeat the villains in our life, both the external villains like Satan and the internal villains like self-doubt and anxiety. We use the power of the gospel to defeat those. 
Next week, we're going to finish off our series with looking at the power of the team. And we're going to have all the Avengers here together. We're going to have as many characters here as possible. We're going to have a really great time learning about the power of team from Scripture. But today, we're going to look at the power to transform from the movie Ant-Man. If you're not familiar with Ant-Man at all, we have the preview to show you a little bit about what Ant-Man's life was like. So here's that clip. Imagine a soldier the size of an insect. The ultimate secret weapon. If you give godlike powers to everyone, it's gonna be chaos. So how do we stop him? I know a guy. Scott, I've been watching you for a while. You're different. And I believe everyone deserves a shot at redemption. Do you? Absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some stuff. Makes sense. Are you ready to become the hero? Now, the suit has power. You have to learn how to control it. And these are your greatest allies. You're kind of cute. Whoa. When you're small, you have superhuman strength. You like a bullet. So you need to know how to punch. You want to show me how to punch? Show me how to punch. That's how you punch. You tried to hide your suit from me. Now, it's gonna blow up in your face and destroy everyone you care about. Scott, get out of there! Did you think you could stop the future? You're just a thief! No, I'm Ant-Man. I know, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> yes, very, very entertaining movie about transformation. And, and Scott Lang, who is Ant-Man, can do some amazing transformations. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today is transformation. And in the shorter catechism, there's a few questions that really address the transformation that we can have as believers that's even better than putting on a suit and getting smaller and bigger. We can have uh, transformations that are truly amazing. And question 33, it says, what is, what is justification? Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight, for only the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. And you see what it says there? I mean, the amazing transformation that we can have as believers, going from people that are, are filled with sin and seen by God as sinful people, but because of what Christ has done, and we're going to talk about that further in our message, that he imputes us with his righteousness, and that's how we're seen by God. What an amazing transformation. Question 34 says, what is adoption? Adoption is an act of God's free grace, where, whereby we're received in the number. 
and have the right to all the privileges of the sons of God. What an amazing transformation that is. We go from being sinful, we go from being far away from God when we put our faith and trust in Christ. He adopts us in, and now we receive the same rights and privileges as our, as our brother Jesus. What an amazing thing. Question 35 is, what is sanctification? And this is the ongoing transformation that happens in our life. Sanctification is a work of God's free grace, whereby we're renewed in the whole man after the image of God. We're enabled more and more to die to sin and to live to righteousness. And that's what we want as a church. We want to be more and more focused on Jesus so that we die more and more to sin, that we run further and further away from sin, and we run more and more to Jesus, the power of that transformation. And so we're going to look at a transformation story this morning in Acts. And Acts is such a great book because we see the early church starting up, and we see the excitement that comes with starting the brand new Christian church. And then we see some of the adversity that comes into the church. And then we see a, a, a story here of Saul who was persecuting the church, who was an enemy of the church, who was against the church, who was far away from God. Now comes close to him because of an amazing transformation. So we're going to pick this up in Acts chapter 9. We read uh, the first 22 verses. And it's a little bit longer to read all the way through it. But it's really important to hear the whole story. So that's why I'm going to read all the way through it. Then we'll talk about it verse by verse as we uh, work through this together. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he found any that who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless as they heard the sound and not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he said. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man, about the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings before the people of Israel. I'll show them how much you must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, as you were coming here, has sent me that you may see me again be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus and once he got up to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus. 
by proving that Jesus is the Christ. What an amazing transformation. And maybe you look at Saul's life and you think, man, he was really bad. I mean, I've never been that bad, persecuting, murdering, taking Christians. But listen, we're, we're all bad. I'm, I'm bad. You're bad. We've all fallen short of God's glory. That's why I really like this next clip that I'm going to show you from Ant-Man because he's starting to be chosen as the person that is going to be Ant-Man, but you realize that he has a past. He is a criminal. He's a criminal, but now he's called for an amazing future. So here's this birthday party scene. We don't have a choice. Well, it's not entirely true. I think I found a guy. Who? Peanuts! Oh, happy birthday! I'm so sorry I'm late. I didn't know what time your party started. It was on the invitation. He didn't get an invitation, but he came anyway. Well, I'm not going to miss my little girl's birthday party. I need to go tell mommy you're here. Oh, you don't. What are you doing here, I? I'm paid a dime in child support. You know, right now, if I wanted to, I could arrest you. It's good to see you too, Paxton. Mommy's so happy you're here. She choked on her drink. <laughs> hey, what could I have for you? Can I open it now? Of course, sweetheart. It's your birthday. Best dear friend. What is that thing? He's so ugly. I love him. Can I go show my friends? Yeah, of course, sweetheart. Go ahead. You are my best dear friend. Look, the child support is coming. All right, it's just hard finding a job when you have a ring. I'm sure you'll figure it out. But for now, I want you out of my house. No, wait, okay? It's my daughter's birthday. It's my, my house. So what? It's my kid. You can't just show up here. You know that. Come on. It's a birthday party. Yeah, I know, but you can't just show up. She's my daughter. You know right? the first thing about being a father. Really, Maggie? That guy? Come on, you can marry anyone you want. You have to get engaged to a cop? At least he's not a crook. I'm trying, okay? I've changed it. I'm straight. I'm tr I had a job, and... I want to provide. I had a lot of time to think about it, and I love her so much i've missed so much time and i want to be a part of her life what do i do get an apartment get a job pay child support and then we will talk about visitation i promise you're her hero scott just be the person that she already thinks you are this criminal trying to make a transformation I want you to, to listen to this because this is really, really important. Every single one of us that's a saint has a past. We all have issues. We all have things that we're ashamed of. We've all done things against God. We all have things that, that don't follow after God's word. But that's the truth of the gospel. See, God's an infinite, all-knowing, powerful creator God and all the things that are are for his glory, but we've belittled that. You and I have done that. We've taken the brains that he's given us, and we think thoughts that, that don't honor him. I've done it, and, and you've done it. And we've taken the lungs that he's given us, and we proclaim things that don't honor him. I've done it, and, and you've done it. And that's really the great blasphemy of the universe, that an all-powerful, all-holy, holy, holy God 
we've belittled him and his name. And because he is just, because he is holy, because he is mighty, he's not going to allow the belittlement of his name. There has to be a punishment for that. And so it's either going to be a punishment on us for all the things that we've done wrong, or someone has to step in and take our place and be the true hero. And for our sake, I'm so thankful we have a seeking and saving Savior in Jesus. And that's why here at Good News, we boast in the cross. We boast in the cross alone and what Jesus did in his perfect life and what he did on the cross and what he did when he overcame all our sin, past, present, and future and rose from the dead victorious. We need that power to transform. I think deep down we realize that we need transformation, but we can't transform on our own. This is not about, okay, you need to go and try harder. You need to do more things so you can be transformed. No, it's pressing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You need to press that deeper in your life because the things you struggle with, your lust, you're not going to be able to get over that on your own. Your pride, your anxiousness, you're not going to be able to get over those things on your own. You need the gospel. You need Jesus, and I need Jesus. You guys remember these? Some of you, you're young, you're like, what is that? Is that a computer? No, it's not a computer. What you do with these things, you turn these dials, and I always get them wrong, and you get to draw these lines. And they're really good for skyscrapers and boxes. If you want to try to draw a circle, just forget it. That ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. What you do with these, you draw it, and then when you want to draw something different, just shake it. I know, young people, this is amazing, right? Look, it's not there anymore. You can draw something different. And it's such a picture of the gospel. Because I don't know what's written on the etch-a-sketch of your life. I don't know if it's things that you struggle with. With Maybe it might be pornography. Maybe it might be addiction. Maybe it might be different struggles with pride, anxiety, selfishness. All those things might be written on the etch-a-sketch of your heart. But because of what Jesus did, he erases it all. And not only erases it, but he gives us his righteousness so that we can transform. So the criminals that we were against God were no longer, we're superheroes in Christ because of the transformation that has happened in our lives. What an amazing thing that is. What an amazing thing that an all-powerful God takes away our sin and gives us his righteousness so we can be transformed. In Jeremiah 31, it says, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. One of the things that I love about, and I'll show you this last clip from Ant-Man, is how he goes from big to small and how he's so much more powerful when he's small. And it reminds me of John 3.30. That, what does it say there? He must increase but I must, what? Decrease. 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 And when we focus on Jesus and his transformation, we can have amazing joy, amazing peace, and we can have eternal life. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, won't you know the source of transformation? Won't you put your faith and trust in him? And I know it's a little bit of a scary step to say, I'm not going to trust in myself anymore. But you get his power, you get his strength, you get his righteousness, and you get to trade him and give him your sin. What an amazing trade that is. So put your faith and trust 
in Christ. And then you can have the power to transform. That's why I love this compilation of this last clip of Ant-Man going from big to small, from small to big, because you see the power of transformation. So here's this last clip. Does anyone have any orange slices? <laughs> yeah, I love the transformation back and forth, back and forth, and the power that comes with that. And in Christ, we have the power to transform. We're tr transformed by him. And as we look at the scripture verse by verse, we see Saul, who was far away from God, gets to experience God. And because he gets to experience him, he becomes completely different. And we all can have that same experience of transformation. Meanwhile, while Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters of the synagogue. So if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether it men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. This persecution that Saul had lasted almost three years against uh, the Christians. And he was a very well-educated man. He was educated against, uh, by Gamaliel in the way of, of the Jews. And he thought that he was doing a thing that was actually glorifying God because he thought that the people that were in Christianity were following Jesus were actually a threat. So he thought he was actually serving God uh, by doing this, and he was persecuting them to the highest degree. He was having them killed. He was having them uh, put away in prison. But then something magnificent happens. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What Paul experienced is what theologians call a theophany. 
A theophany is a physical manifestation of God, and we see this a lot in the Old Testament uh, with what theologians call a Shekinah. And the Shekinah happened several times. It happened when uh, Moses saw the burning bush. He saw the light of God there. It happened when the Israelites uh, were going through the wilderness. It happened on Mount Sinai in front of the Israelites. It happened at the tabernacle when it was being constructed. And the Lord did this always for the benefit of his people because he wanted to show that he was working in and among them. And Saul benefits from this revelation that God makes himself real to him in a powerful way. And he's, he's saying, you're persecuting me. It was, a, it was a personal persecution against the church. And Paul was in desperate need, wasn't he? I mean, he was far away from God, just like each and every one of us was. Far away from God. He needed transformation. And, and so Saul asks, who are you, Lord? And he's not just in that, in that sentence proclaiming him as Lord. He might have known there was something supernatural happening, but it was more of a polite statement like, who are you? Who are you, sir? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now, if you have an experience with Jesus like that, you're going to listen, right? And that's exactly what Saul did, is that he listened with the power to transform in his life. He, went from, he was about to go from persecuting Christians to be an amazing voice into the life of the early church. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And they led him by his hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. Wow. I don't think I would eat or drink anything either. Got to experience this theophany with God. You got to, got to experience Jesus. And now he's wondering what is going to happen. And soon he's about to find out. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, go to a house on, of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. You can just imagine, even though this is a vision that he's happening, Ananias is thinking, no, I don't want to go to this guy. This guy's the villain. This guy's the enemy. This guy's been persecuting us. I've heard about this guy. Don't have me do this. In the vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and uh, place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, Have you heard? I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on, uh, on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry out my name before the Gentiles and their kings before the people of Israel. I'll show them how much he must suffer by my name. I love in Ant-Man that Scott Lang is a criminal. He's far away from being a superhero, and he's chosen. He's chosen for a specific purpose. And every single one of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're a believer in him, you're chosen. You have a specific purpose. He hasn't put you here by accident at Good News Church in World Golf Village. He's put you here to be able to proclaim the gospel in the places that you're at with the gifts that he has given you. God does not make mistakes. He did not make a mistake with you. 
that he is transforming your life for a specific purpose, that you can be a hero in your family as you're discipling people around you. You can be a hero amongst other people that you are in, in the community, in your workplace, at school, as you go about your life. He's given you a specific purpose, just like he did Saul. Each and every one of us has had a radical transformation if we put our faith and trust in Christ because of what he has done. Verse 17, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, what an amazing transformation Ananias had already seen in Saul as he opened up the door because he wasn't scared to go in. He walked with the confidence of the Lord. He told him to do it, so he did it. And then when he walked in, he already saw a change happening because he wasn't scared. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. There probably actually was a physical thing that happened, like scales fell from it. But this wasn't just a physical transformation. This was a spiritual transformation. But I see this in people all the time that come to faith in Christ. It almost looks like something physically happens to them, that this burden is lifted from them, that they have true joy. It doesn't mean that their life is perfect, but they're able to experience Christ. And that's what happens when we're transformed. And oftentimes, if we accepted Christ many, many years ago, we forget about the power of our transformation in our life that each and every one of us has from knowing Jesus. So the action step is don't be conformed be transformed. Don't be conformed, be transformed. And soon as uh, Paul got to experience Jesus, he was immediately transformed. And he didn't want to conform any longer to the ways of the world. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to do things differently. So it says this, that he immediately got up. He spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? I mean, isn't that awesome? Here they are thinking that he's coming to persecute them. And now he's preaching in those same streets, in those same synagogues where he was going to pull people away to prison. It's awesome to see a life transformed. I mean, that's happened to me before where people are like, Andy Herco is the pastor of that church, especially if they knew me in college. They're like, what? is happening here and what's happening here is the power of jesus working in our lives and so whether you've known christ at an early age or came to know him at a later age that power of transformation allows us to not be conformed and we need each other right we need one another it becomes more and more difficult each and every day to to not conform to this world but to be transformed and so in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it tells us to not be conformed, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do you renew your mind so that you don't conform to the world? How do you renew your mind so you don't go back to your criminal ways? Well, listen, this is not works-based based theology, if you don't do any of these things, God's still going to love you. But it's about drawing closer to him so that we can be sanctified, so that we become more of the superhero that we are in Christ and we don't fall back into our criminal ways. 
some of the ways that we can renew our mind is to get in God's Word. And that's why we have a study for you each and every week, and hopefully you grab one of these. We have a few more on our uh, information station. If you haven't grabbed one, make sure you grab one of the studies because we want you to be transformed by the Word of God. And we're going through the book of John in that study, and you get to learn more about Jesus and how He's discipling others, and you can draw closer to Him. So grab one of those. We, we renew our mind by coming and worshiping together. Of course we can worship on our own. I encourage you to do that. Blast Christian music while you're going throughout your day. Worship him uh, with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. But when we gather together, there's something special about the body. Coming together and encouraging one another and worshiping Jesus so we can renew our mind and not be conformed. To be in small group, to have that community together is vital that we have one another. And I know this life is, is so busy and it's tough to make it a priority to gather together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. But if we're not going to conform to this world, we have to encourage one another by renewing our mind in that way. To kind of do an evaluation of, of our prayer life. Do you find yourself being dependent on God as you're transforming? Listen, we don't put on an Ant-Man suit, but we do put on the armor of God. And when we put on the armor of God, are we counting on him? Are we praying to him? Are we seeking him as we're making decisions in life? One of the ways to not conform is to fast. I mean, being an American and not eating for a period of time, you're not conforming. And it's really great to be able to experience God that if you take a meal or two off or take a day off from eating and you're focused on him and every time you feel a little bit hungry, it's a reminder to focus on his strength and his mercy, and his grace, and a reminder that he's the one that transforms us. If you've never, if you've never done that before, then take a step to just take one meal off and, and focus, on, focus on him. There's a thing at our, at our Wildwood campus called Celebrate Recovery, which helps people get over hurts and hang-ups and habits. And if there's some things in your life that are preventing you from being fully transformed, I encourage you to check that out. It meets on Thursday nights at our Wildwood campus. There are so many things that we can do to help us not be conformed to this world, to be transformed. I encourage you to step into those things so that we can have a gospel transformation. I mean, what would that look like? What would it look like to, to be amazed? What would it look like to be marveling at Jesus? And like Ant-Man, we would have amazing powers, but not because of a suit, but because of the Holy Spirit working through us. And what would a church look like that marveled at Jesus? We'd be, we'd be so different to the outside world, and that's a great thing because the outside world is looking for hope, looking for joy, looking for peace, and they're trying to find it in all the wrong places, and we have the right answer. So don't be conformed. Be transformed. Be people that are disciples that are making disciples. Be transformed to love Jesus more and to love one another more and to love the lost more. Are you ready to do it? Are you ready to do it? All right, let's do it with the power of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, here we are. Help us to trust that you have an incredible plan for us. Transform us. Transform our lives. Help us to put everything on the table. Transform us to the person that you created us to be. Help us to hold nothing back from you. And all God's people said...